Father, we uh, we sing this song, Lord. The words in this song are powerful. They're powerful just because there's power in your name. And we understand through Scripture, Lord, that every demonic force, every principality, every spirit, good, bad, whatever, Lord, it has to come up underneath that authority. It has to. There's no other choice. But Lord, what you've brought to my mind as we're singing this is this, this, I hear the chains falling. Lord, what happens if we don't hear the chains falling? Or what, what then? I know that's something that we go through, that we ask you about. What, what happens if I don't hear those chains falling? Lord, what I love is that just because we we may not hear that, Lord, when we speak the name of Jesus, everyone hears that name. Every principality, like I said, every every spirit hears that name, and that's all that matters. Lord, that's all that matters. And when we speak that and we step into that authority, Lord, sometimes it's not chains that fall. Lord, it's it's walls that topple over. Lord, sometimes it's relationships that get mended. Lord, sometimes it's just quiet. That, Lord, you can dissolve those chains. But nonetheless, we're free. And you're asking us to run and walk in that freedom. You're asking us to do that. Lord, I pray that if we don't hear the chains falling, that, Lord, you can get us to a place where we can have the ears of our hearts open to hear your, to hear your working, to hear your, um, your voice in our lives, Lord. To have discernment enough to know to see the difference and not hang our hat on whether or not we hear these chains fall but hang our hat on knowing that when we speak the name of Jesus all authority is given to that name that's what we want to hang our hat on so Lord we love you we thank you we ask for your 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 presence this morning we need you we don't want to move forward without you so be here Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Welcome this morning, ladies and gentlemen. You could choose to be anywhere on a Sunday morning, this Father's Day Sunday morning, but you choose to be with us, so I I appreciate that. I do kind of a lot to get to this morning. Um, And Jared, can you turn that light on for me? Appreciate it, man. Kind of a lot to get to this morning in, in, in a couple different capacities. There's some things that I think we need to discuss more so. I want you guys to hear from your pastor on this issue about Orlando, Florida, and everything that happened down there. Take a few minutes to talk about that. Then we're going to get to Father's Day because today's Father's Day. All right. Um, and as I'm looking around here, we've got two of them in the back. So we'll honor y'all again. 
Um, but nonetheless, we, we want to take some time today to do that. And then we have the women's ministry who's going to get up and, and speak a little bit about fathers. Um, and then we got to get into the message. And first service was a little crazy, abbreviated message-wise because we spent some time on the front end with these things. And that's okay. I think this will go a little bit more smooth simply because... Um, I got an idea. I got a really, a really good idea what the Lord wants me to share this morning of all of what I've written down. And thank God he didn't say, look, pitch that out the window. I want you to go off the top of your head. This is what I'm going to tell you to say. Those are scary moments. All right. Because he can change any and all of it. But is everyone aware of what happened in Orlando? At this point, I hope that you are. I first heard about it last Sunday in between services. And didn't really have enough information to kind of come up and say anything about it. But it's a, it's a sensitive issue, obviously, because this man who claims allegiance to ISIS walks up into a gay nightclub and kills 50 people. Now immediately in my head, because of my position and how I feel as though I have to have a response to it. I'm thinking about how is the church going to respond to something like that. And we've I've seen it all. Every single response you possibly could have on social media and the uh, TV, CNN, all these different outlets, news outlets. And there's many debates on the issue, this, that, and the other thing. But I'm wondering if anyone is going to talk about these families that have lost individuals now i'm going to take the homosexual part of it and just put it to the side for a moment because of this there are families who are hurting because they lost children and i'm wondering if the church is going to respond to that because what i see in scripture is that anytime the lord confronts anyone who's walking in sin he comes with compassion first and then he brings the truth. Now, I took, I took, I take this homosexual issue and I put it over here. And I, I'm not saying that we, uh, somehow look past that. But I'll say this. Because of a few radical people in the church who stand up on a rock and blow their whistle at that, at sin and say, hey, you're going to hell because you are a homosexual, the entire church gets a bad rap. And therefore, the relationship between the homosexual community and the church is toxic because of a few individuals. And I want to speak to you guys this morning that if somebody asks you, what do you think about this issue? That number one, because you sit in this church, you represent Eosis, you represent us, I represent you guys. That we don't condone that behavior. But scripture says sin knows no value. So guess what? I'm just as bad. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying that that's something that we would accept. But my first condition, or excuse me, my first responsibility is to love those people. Because guess what? 50 lives were lost. They're not here anymore. So if anybody asks you, what do you think? You know what? It shouldn't be about the fact that it was a gay nightclub. It should be about the fact that who's going to show compassion to these people because lives were lost. 
We can talk about the homosexual agenda some other time. And it's an important issue. It really is. But here's my question. Where else are these families supposed to go? Can they even go to the church? I don't know. Simply because of how we've treated that. Now, again, it's been those select few that have made it look bad for every for everyone in the church, for the whole church. But I'm just saying, for us, respond with compassion. If you're going to represent Jesus first, Eosis, I don't want to say second or third, but Eosis gets thrown in there. Because you, you come and you sit here. Respond with compassion first. If someone wants to talk to you about your view on, on homosexuality, then that's for you to jump into. But when it comes to this issue, we need to be praying for those families who lost lives. Amen? So, I just wanted to let you guys in on what your pastor thinks about it. And attacking that situation, or excuse me, confronting that situation with compassion because that's what the Lord did. But he brought truth as well. And see, compassion opened up the door for truth. Sometimes truth doesn't open up the door for compassion, depending upon the plate that it's served. You can have this amazing meal prepared for somebody. Steak and potatoes, whatever it is that you want it to be. Would you want to eat it if I went outside, flipped over a trash can lid? Flipped over a trash can lid, put that meal on the trash can lid, and then tried to serve it to you. You wouldn't want to eat that, although it's good for you and it's... A lot of nourishment in it. Let's not do that with this. Let's serve it well. Amen? And that comes from the prophet Bill Cosby. Okay? That little analogy there. That was probably... I would assume some of you guys in here have watched Bill Cosby, but that joke didn't go over as well as I thought it was going to go over. But that's okay. Because Jesus loves me. This I know. Anyway... Let's jump in to this Father's Day business before we get to this message. Now, today's Father's Day, and my dad is not here. He's in Colorado Springs, preaching at the Colorado uh, Colorado Springs Church. So um, be praying for them because they're having their service right now as well. It's at the same time as the 1045 um, service up here. But I know we only have, do we only have two fathers in the room? Um, if you're a father, stand up. Anybody? 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 All right. Now, you may be a father by blood. You may be a father by marrying into that. Nonetheless, if you're in that position, and what I really want to do this morning is make sure that, I know we did this for you guys in the first service, but it, we, we can't do it enough. All right? Two times in a year, hey, that's great. You know? <laughs> Two times in a day as well. But, I just want to say thank you that sometimes you get called into something expectedly and unexpectedly. Expectedly sometimes because you plan on having kids. Thank you mom and dad for planning on having me. But sometimes you don't. And that's okay. That doesn't make any child a mistake. That's not what I'm saying. But the Lord saw you guys fit to handle what you've handled over the years. And that's I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for being that father, um, that father figure. Now, 
what comes to mind, and the, the only piece that I'm going to speak about, because I'm not a dad yet, one day, hopefully, and I know there's people in here, same thing, you're not a dad yet, but one day that's going to happen, it's going to happen, that your relationship with your father may be a good one, or it may be a bad one. You may not know your dad. I have the privilege of knowing him, but that doesn't know, that doesn't mean that my relationship with him has been all cake and candy and streamers and it's been hard at times, you know? But nonetheless, that person is still your dad. But what helps me with my relationship with my father is knowing that I have a father in heaven who is ultimately my dad. And today, we not only want to honor you guys, but collectively as a group, we can honor our Father in Heaven for never letting go of us, never putting us in a situation to fail, and always being there 100% of the time. Now what we can do as dads, y'all, one day, one day for everyone else, <laughs> is be like our Father in Heaven. But if you come from a family where your dad isn't the best example, number one, Jesus has him just as much as he has you. But maybe grow up and be the dad that you didn't have. Be the dad who steps into knowing his children. Be the dad uh, who who's there for everybody and does everything he can to to provide for his family. You guys, you guys catching what I'm saying? Nonetheless, let the ultimate example of how to be a father be from Scripture. Be about Jesus. And again, thank you, each and every one of you guys. So, what I want to do is have the women's ministry come up here. And uh, my mom's going to say some stuff, and we have some gifts for you. So when she's done speaking, I don't know if you want to pass that out now. Yeah. I'm just going to give my mom the mic, and I need talking. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and to all the kids and to the wives. And, you know, when we... When we celebrated Mother's Day, Alex talked about it being a 24-7 job. Well, you know what? It's the same with dads. It's 24-7. Um, I used this example at the 9 o'clock service because I love this commercial. The dad, there's a dad that um, opens a bedroom door, and he's obviously got a cold. His nose is red. His eyes are runny. And, and he steps in, and he goes, Dave, I'm, I'm sorry. i, I got to take a sick day. And the camera pans over to Dave, and he's a little baby standing in his crib. You know? <laughs> well, there aren't any sick days. And thank you that you take that seriously because you as fathers are the covering over your family, whether that means your wife, whether that means your wife and children. And I, I'm grateful that fathers take that seriously. Um, thank you for pursuing aligning yourself with God's word that um, even though we may fail at that because we do um, God's grace is bigger than that and always realigning yourself to God's word will um, set that example uh, as a father uh, certainly as a mother um, as those who want to set an example for those around 
children, family. And so those of you who want to be fathers, um, bless you in that. Those who are fathers, bless you for the 24-7 and the uh, time you spent on your knees pouring it out for your family. So um, be blessed, be honored, and... um, my dad is um, 80 years old this month, and so I will be able to call him and thank him for um, his being there in so very many ways. Uh, so be thankful. And uh, just real quick, the Lord just put on my heart um, for uh, the fathers just... If your relationship is just strained with your children or it doesn't seem like you guys are close to not give up on that. And for us that have fathers, don't give up on our fathers. That's hard to say. And the Lord really ought to work on me to be able to say that in front of you right now. But um, the Lord's in the midst of that. And he's working on our father's hearts when we're not even aware of that. Um, so I just wanted to read this blessing that I had attached to the gifts for the fathers and just say a prayer. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And that's number 6, 24 through 26. So Lord, I just pray for all the fathers here, Lord, today and in their relationships with their children, Lord, that they will continue to just trust you, Lord, in every step, Lord, whether they have failed, Lord, that they can give that to you, Lord, that they can submit yourselves to you, Lord, but just know how just honor and, and blessed they are and important they are, Lord, and how much they even mean to me, Lord, even even though they aren't even uh, my father, father, but also for the father you are to us, God, that loves us unconditionally. So I pray you just wrap your arms around each one of them today, Lord. Let them know their importance, but how deeply loved, Lord, and that they can look to you as their Father, Lord, Heavenly Father, that's never going to run out or abandon them, Lord, but be there constantly. We love you, Lord. Amen. Just give our fathers a round of applause. Now, now when I say fathers, I just want to make sure that Future fathers are not left out of this uh, simply because I know that for me, I cannot wait. <laughs> Just can't wait. And then there's, you know, wonderful families got ten of them, you know. And that process is one that is up to Jesus. Amen. It's a tough thing, it's a good thing, and it's worth it. And the reason I say that is because what we're about to jump into with Nehemiah here is, I think, it applies to fathers who have kids and fathers, or uh, excuse me, husbands who, who don't and are trying because of this thing. We're getting to the place in this scripture where Nehemiah finishes the wall. The very thing that he was set out to do is done. Okay, now what? Right? Nehemiah 6, verses 15 through 19. We're going to look at some stuff in here. And, you know, I see Nehemiah 
as much as a father figure as I do as a leader, as I do as a patriarch, as I do as a pioneer, the man has done something that nobody else has done. Jerusalem's walls laid desolate for a hundred years. Everyone saw the problem. But Nehemiah was the one who came in and did something about it. The Lord asked Nehemiah to go and do something about it. Now see, that kind of pertains to one of those things I was talking about last Sunday. About being a good identifier of the problem. See, we can be good identifiers all day long. But then we have to do something. So we see in these last final verses of chapter 6... Kind of this culmination of Nehemiah being pulled from someone who hears about the the condition of Jerusalem's walls. And the man prays for four months. He falls flat on his face. He's fasting. He's praying. There's a lot of an emotional response to that. 120 days of prayer. To the end of chapter 6 where he's just like, he's just calm. And he has this level of discernment that is sharp. Is this level of being able to hear God's voice that is just like, man, I want that. But we see the progression. And the progression is tested by Tobiah, Sambalot, and the boys. Things that they bring to the table, opposition-wise. And we see Nehemiah respond. But each time we see him respond, it's not necessarily less emotional. But he takes less time, and I gotta, I gotta be careful when I say this. He takes less time consulting the Lord. Okay? Now that sounds weird, but here's, here's why it's not. He spent so much time with him that he understands his character to the point where something comes up, and because of the time spent, he is in a place where he's more calm than before. That doesn't mean he stops spending time with the Lord. That doesn't mean he stops. For us, it doesn't mean we stop reading the word. It doesn't mean we stop with our quiet time. Does that make sense? It's just the more you spend time doing that, the quicker your behavior and your reaction becomes what it's supposed to become. You checking with me on that? Good stuff. Now, we saw that progression... From Nehemiah 1 all the way up to Nehemiah 6.19. And this, this discernment that he has. Um, we also see a progression with the people. Being able to be good followers of Nehemiah. And now we're coming to the end of building this wall. Now let's read this real quick. Let's read Nehemiah 6. 15 through 19. And this happened in first service. Because of time, I'm going to do the best I can to communicate what needs to be communicated. But if I sound like I'm going fast, I'm trying to go fast, okay? <laughs> because I want you guys to get all of this stuff. Um, I just, I just got to get to all of it. But Nehemiah 6, let's read the text for today. Verses 15 through 19, it says this. So the wall was completed. On the 25th of the month Elul, in the, in 52 days, when all our enemies heard of it, and the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Man. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, January, the first Sunday in January. 
we opened up the book of Nehemiah. And I came with these verses right here, Nehemiah six fifteen and 16. So that we got a good understanding that it wasn't, here's what we're about to read. This people who is going to build a wall. This man who's being used by God to accomplish this work. But the only way that it got accomplished was right there. It was something that happened because of the Lord. And it wasn't these people saying that. It was actually the opposition that was like, whoa. They built this wall 52 days, less than two months. There's no way they would have been able to do that without Jesus. No way. But then something else happens in here. Verses 17 through 19. It says, Also, in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah. We know Tobiah. And Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and the son of Jehohanana, something like that. Rhymes with banana. Had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, or something like that. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds. His good deeds, Tobiah's good deeds. Well, let's just think about that. Tobiah's good deeds. What I was reading through Nehemiah 1 all the way up until this point was that Tobiah was the opposition. This boy ain't doing nothing good. Alright? In my presence, which is Nehemiah's presence, moreover they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. Then Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. So if we get a picture of what's going on here, the wall's finished. And now something else is happening where the nobles, and if you remember in chapter 5, Nehemiah had to get after the nobles because of this thing called usury. And usury is charging excessive interest to a loan. So the people were feeding off of the people. So here the nobles come back up again. Tobiah is sending letters to the nobles and the nobles are sending letters back to Tobiah. And these nobles are trying to speak to Nehemiah about Tobiah's good deeds. Nehemiah is responding because it says here in these verses, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reported my words back to him. So Nehemiah was responding about these good things that these nobles were saying about Tobiah and they were going and reporting this back to Nehemiah. And then it says he was trying to send more letters to frighten him. So that's just a picture of what's going on here. Alright? <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I really do. Because have you ever gotten to the end of something in your life? Or let me just say this. You finished something that you were putting time into. You're building something. You're making something. There's a project. Uh, maybe even a relationship where you get to a certain point and you're like, hallelujah, we're, we're here. And then stuff starts to happen and you're like, oh my goodness, there's always something. That's what I feel like I read in these these verses. They finish this wall, but Tobiah is still like, let me just keep sending stuff and just jib-jab you a little bit and let me bring up my knife and just poke you here and there. It's like at what point does it does it stop? I guarantee nobody in here has ever felt that way. Right? <laughs> at what point do you get what you want? Big question. So I guarantee you, I'm asking questions like that right now. At what point do I just get what I want? Number one, that question, the place where it comes from, 
You better check that. <laughs> that's what the Lord's saying to me. Look here, boy. That's what he says. Only because that's what my dad says. So I immediately translate that to the Lord. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. If I was to switch to this title, it says a master's degree in submission. If we if we look at the first part of that, a master's degree or a bachelor's degree, I got a I got a brother in law who's got a PhD. All these letters. I don't even know what they stand for. He's got a PhD in atmospheric science. He can tell you everything that's gonna happen with the weather. Man, I just want to know if it's going to rain or not. You don't got to tell me why and use all these big words and confuse me. I feel like you're cussing me out because I don't even know what you're talking about. Right? So, you got a PhD. I got my bachelor's degree in um, construction management. Now, whether you've gone to college or not, that's immaterial at this point. It's irrelevant. I'm, not, I'm just using the example of a master's degree or a degree for that matter. That you, I, I spent four to five years like blood, sweat, and tears, tests, studying, being having my nose in a book, to the point where I accomplished everything that this university has told me that I need to accomplish. All the credits, all the classes, all the tests. Didn't necessarily pass with flying colors, okay? But I passed. All right, <laughs> define flying colors. But nonetheless, you get to a point where you're about to graduate. You got your cap and gown. Mom's all, you know, you've come to a place. It's great. Everyone's crying, taking pictures. Whole family's there. Cap and gown. You're sitting down to get up. You walk over in line. You're about to get your degree. You walk across the stage. You shake some faculty member's hand that you've never seen in your entire life. But apparently they're the ones who... Are saying yes to this whole thing. Like you don't know them at all. Turn around for four seconds. Put on a cheesy grin. Take a picture. We all know that that picture is probably going to go into the uh, the drawer. The buffet or whatever it is that you have. We have a buffet. It's not food. It's just it got some doors on it. Holds all our pictures. Anyway. It's going to go in there and collect dust. You shake this person's hand. You get this degree. You go sit back down. And it's like man four or five years for all of that. Goodness. There's no fireworks. Should be. There's no balloons. Confetti. Maybe there's some at your party, but those don't last. There's no motorcycles jumping in the background. There should be. Hey, I'm into that. But nonetheless, all of what you did culminates to this moment that isn't what you thought it was going to be. Sometimes the Lord does the same thing with us. And I see the same thing happening in here. That this is a massive moment. Massive moment. Nehemiah got brought through. It wasn't four or five years. It was about nine months worth of stuff. Now a little side note. Talked about discernment last week. Irre- irre- irreducible complexity. You pull any one of the components of, of discernment out. It ceases to be discernment. One of those components was the spiritual matter. Right? Took four months to pray about it. It only took less than two to build. You know what that says to me? The process the Lord has you in. Anything that you're going through right now is more of a spiritual matter than it is a material matter. Amen? Yeah. So just catch that real quick. But Nehemiah goes through this whole progression of like nine months of just like unbelievable crazy stuff. And we get to this moment and you would think that there's a parade and whatever the equivalent of streamers are back then. Or fireworks. 
let's have a feast, prepare all the bulls and sheep. That doesn't happen. The wall's finished and Tobiah shows up and starts talking about him behind his back. <laughs> and then he responds to it and then letters just keep getting sent. Like, what kind of celebration is that? And I believe that's speaking to something. In my mind, the chapter should end right here. Wall's finished. Okay, we're kind of done reading about all everything that he's been through. Right? But there's uh, a bunch of chapters after that, which we'll get into. You would think mission accomplished. Now, we got to understand something about God's purpose in order to connect all of this. And hear me when I say this. That God's purpose, even for himself, alright, not only for you and for me, but even for himself, always, 100% of the time, has a functionality to it. It's a functionality. Now, if you can catch that piece, if you walk out of here with one piece, and that's the piece that you catch, what you're going through right now is for functioning of something in the future. So you can step into the functioning of XYZ. It will help you understand why you're going through what you're going through. Now here's the next part of this statement. That God's purpose for you. And hear me when I say this. Please catch this. God's purpose for you is not a destination. As much as it is a continuation Catch this, because of the qualification that you just received. God's purpose for you is not a destination. As much as it is a continuation because of qualification. Now I did not say this in the first service, but I'm going to say it now. Because I believe that it's so, it's so apropos for this moment. Um, I was I was sent a a video maybe three or four weeks ago of this guy who was communicating the purpose of the cross. Powerful video. At some point, I probably want to show it here. But he uses scripture in Hebrews, and off the top of my head, I cannot remember where that's at. But the purpose of the cross, you would think. He, lay, he, he lays out all of these different things. Like it, was it because of purification? Was it because of power? Was it because of authority? Was it because of all of these things? And he brings his listeners to a place where he makes this statement. That the purpose of the cross was specific to one thing. The purpose of the cross qualified Jesus to be the king of our salvation. Everything that he went through, 39 lashes, get spat on, spirit in the, all, the side, the blood, the thorns, all of that was so that he could be called the king of our salvation. He was qualified to be the king. You catch me when I, hear, when I say that? Why would he treat you any different? Now, what you're going through is to qualify you for something. What Nehemiah went through, what the Israelites went through was to qualify them for a functioning, a continuation 
You chugging with me on that? So I say to you guys, you're qualified. But here's the catch. I got my bachelor's degree in the concentration of construction management. That means I have no clue what's going on when it comes to psychology. Sorry. I don't. Because <laughs> I didn't study that. Right? So what makes us qualified? What What's our concentration in? What do I have my master's degree? What did Nehemiah get his master's degree in if we're, if we're using that analogy? Here's another piece of this discernment that connects with the question I just asked. Again, we see the progression. I use that a lot. How Nehemiah dealt with things from the first chapter all the way up until now. How he's able in these situations to just kind of know the character of the, of the Lord and how he would respond. And he's confident in that. In every instance where opposition shows its ugly face, what does Nehemiah do? He goes straight to the Father. Now let me ask you this question, and I'm like, I gotta be real with you guys this morning. In every, every single instance where you, conf- you're confronted with something that's coming up against either something that you love to do, your family, a tough situation, do you go to the Father first? And if the answer is no, don't beat yourself up. But let's make the answer yes. I have an I have a obligation to ask you that this morning. Do you run to him? There are areas in my life where he's number three or four in my progression of trying to figure it out. Okay, he's number one in my life. Amen. But in me trying to figure it out, he in, he comes in last sometimes. Oh, that's what you were saying. If I had just thought that at the beginning, we'd be good, right? I gotta ask you that question. Nehemiah goes straight to the Lord and his discernment sharpens the more and more he does this one thing. And that's that last word. The more and more he submits himself to the Father's will. Guess what? No streamers, no, uh, Balloons or air horns on that one. No strobe lights. We're not throwing a party because that was the biggest piece of knowledge that it was ever dropped on you. Guys, it's that simple. Every situation, whether it was fun or not, he just submitted himself to the Father. So my concentration, I want a master's degree in submission. So here's the statement. Discernment comes quickly when it's preceded by submission. You want to hear the Lord on something? You got to submit to him. Now that word is a tough word in today's society. Submit? I ain't going to submit. What's up with that? Authority? I don't like authority. I'm not going to submit to that. Okay. Okay. Look at the fruit of that decision. The times in which you are seeking the Lord's voice. Can you hear him? 
And if the answer is no, ask yourself this question. Am I submitted to the authority of Christ? Period. Am I submitted to the process of making him first? Period. I gave you some components of discernment. We've been talking about discernment for the past three weeks. I don't. I didn't want to miss any of that today. Discernment is synonymous with biblical thinking. It's a spiritual matter. You have to be in it all the time. Man, I can't remember the fourth one. Oh, wow. That's bad. Hey, thank you. Notes from last week. There it is. <laughs> and Christ is the measuring stick. There we go. Appreciate that. Throw this one into the pot. If you're, if you're, if you're looking to be somebody who can walk in discernment 100% of the time, then submission to the Father is required. Remove that, it probably ceases to be your discernment. Because then you become your own spiritual authority. See how all that works? You know what? We may not have the best example of a father throughout our entire lives. I got 31 years of, of a father. Being a good example in areas. And falling short in other areas. But he's human. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to be great. And then there's going to be times where my kids are going to come to me and be like, Look, Dad. You never let me do that, Dad. That's going to be tough to hear. But Nehemiah, we have such an example of him submitting to the Lord 100% of the time. And this book from Genesis to Revelation is spoken by our Father in heaven. So if I'm going to submit to the Father, I'm going to submit to how he worked in people. And realize that he's not going to work any different in me. That he needs me to be submitted from Jump Street. Regardless of how I feel. But guess what? How you feel is important to him. (laughs) I hope you're hearing me this morning, church. So a master's degree in submission. That's why these people can take on anything and everything they're submitted to the Father. I think to myself, I can't do what psychologists do because that wasn't my concentration. All right. So why am I saying they can take on anything? Why am I telling you that you can take on anything? Well, here's the statement for that. You can take on anything. You can do anything because in everything you're submitted to the Father. You catch that statement? You can do anything because in everything you're submitted to him. Now here's the next part of this. <laughs> this is the sucky part. Sorry. Asking yourself the question, what part of my life am I not submitted to Jesus? Straight up. And then what part of my life do I think I'm submitted to Jesus and I'm not? That's a tougher question. Because there's some areas that are blatant. Yes, I know. I'm rebelling in this area. (laughs) Walking the opposite direction in this area. But there's other times that it's the difference between right and almost right. You need discernment. Submitted and almost submitted. You need discernment. So you got to go all the way back to the foundation, which is okay. And just ask the Lord, am I submitted to you in this area? Amen? 
You can write this one down, John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody heard that verse before? <laughs> no one comes to the Father except through me. You know what that is? That's submission. I am the way. And I love how it says the life. Are you living a life or are you living the life? I want to live the life. Because when I'm submitted to the Father, I get the truth. I get the way. And I'm so sick and tired of doing it my way. Anybody else agree with that? Man, I hope you get sick and tired of doing it your way because he is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. But you can't even get access to the Father except through Jesus. So you got to submit to that. Now the last part of this is that I am so happy that we will never arrive with the, with the Lord. We never will. And Nehemiah didn't arrive in this situation as we've been looking at. As we read verses 17 through 19, they kept coming. And it's kind of funny. The enemy, he'll keep coming. And at some point you're going to go from being nervous, affected in an emotional way that's debilitating by that to a point where you're just going to be laughing. Like, are you serious right now? You think that I'm somebody that if you do that to me, you're going to take me away from my relationship with the Lord? At what at what point do we gain that confidence? That it may take years for us to get what we want, but guess what? He is still my God. And I ain't going nowhere because he's not going anywhere. Man, don't get me started on that one. About to get up here preaching like I'm in the south, you know what I'm saying? Man, y'all be jumping around here as my dad would say, like a whole mess of frogs. I want to see that someday. I do. You are qualified because of the work that has been done in you. You are qualified because of uh, the work that the Lord has put you in. This is not the end. It's the beginning. And God's purpose for you has a continual functioning in it. Now let me just touch on verses 17 through 19. And how would that apply to us? I got to kind of get through this quickly. I love verse 16. When all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our Lord. I'm going to touch on that before I get to 17 through 19. Whatever you're in right now, whatever it is that you're pouring your life out to, if it's not something that you submit to the Lord in from Jump Street, then he won't get the glory. You'll get the glory. But i tell you what, that glory won't last. And those of the, the, the people who speak of it will be speaking about you. They won't be speaking about Jesus. And that glory won't last. This wall being built, had they tried to do it on their own, it would not have lasted. It would not have been built the way it was built. It would not have been such a testimony in 52 days to go from zero to 100. 100% completion. 
but it was because of God that they got it done. Is it because of the Lord that you are succeeding in the things that you're succeeding in? And if you're not succeeding in them, is it because you are either submitted or not submitted to Jesus in that area? Does that make sense? Things being done because of the Lord have a sound to them. And I'll tell you what, it's all the chips stacked against Jesus and he still comes through. You having zero resources to get accomplished what you need to get accomplished and guess what? It happens. We've been meeting in this church, excuse me, this building, the Hilton, for coming up on two years. Can you believe that? In August it'll be two years. That is nuts. But with a handful of people, we're raising money enough to buy a building or buy land. And it will only be by God that we get this done. It's no different with you on an individual level. If you're not submitted to him in it, it's not going to have that sound. (laughs) I want that sound. You guys want that sound? And I just have to say we have such a small view on how we can be used by God. The Lord has used Nehemiah to correct a hundred year problem in just two months. And I'm pretty sure, and I read this when I was studying, I'm pretty sure they rested on the Sabbath. 52 days, okay, seven times seven is 49. So it's about seven weeks, all right? So take seven days out of that. Seven minus 52 is what? 45. So we can say they built a wall in about 45 days because they probably rested on the Sabbath because they were doing things according to the law. The Lord can heal something in you that has been a hundred year problem like that if you submit to him and let him be the reason. Amen? Also in those days, verse 17, get through this real quick. Many letters went from the nobles to Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah and the son of Aaron, the son of that person, had married the daughter of, you know what, all of those names, you know what that was? It was politicking. Because Tobiah was saying, you have allegiance to me because I married this person and my son is... Married that person's daughter and son-in-law, this business and all that. Tobiah was still trying to have an influence. It's interesting nowadays, politically, turn on the TV. I can only watch it for a certain amount of time before I'm just like, I can't can't do this anymore. I'm going to kick the TV and then I'll be mad that I did that to the TV. It's not the TV's fault. But these people will say anything and everything. Anything to get you on their side. And you know what I love about Nehemiah's discernment in this whole thing? As he speaks or responds to the things being said about him, knowing full well that Tobiah is not who he says he is, these good deeds, come on brother. And then his words in response to that are being taken back to Tobiah. And then now Tobiah is using that as ammunition to send letters. I love how Nehemiah does not approach the nobles and try to get them on his side. He doesn't do it. 
because he's got enough discernment to know the schemes of the enemy and that he is just going to be a man of God. And God will take care of it. He didn't know that nine months ago when he had to pray for 120 days for favor, which was an amazing prayer. We went through that. But here's what I'm saying. I want that type of discernment. But I'll say this. Nehemiah was willing to be the bad guy in order for the sake of God's people, for the sake of doing what God asked him to do. And I just want you to know that the Lord gave Nehemiah a shepherd's eye that nobody else had. The nobles didn't have it. Tobiah didn't have it. Because he was commissioned to do something. I don't mind being the bad guy for the sake of the sheep. Because people are going to be out there throwing Easis underneath the bus. All day. Every day. Trying to get you to choose sides. And here's what I'm saying. If the fact that there are sides is something that sways anyone, there's an issue. Because if you're not on God's side, there is no side. There is no other side but God's side. Rest in that. When people say stuff about you, right? That's not true. That just flat out ain't true. Rest on God's side. You don't need to say anything to get them on your side. Let him take care of it. Amen? So I hope this message comes by way of encouragement. I took a little bit longer than... uh, A little bit longer than possible, but... I just had to get through that stuff. I was a little bit disjointed earlier, first service. But are you with me today, church? Everybody in here is being brought through something. Because God's purpose in your life is that he wants to refine you and bring you to a place where you're qualified. It's not a destination. You will then be qualified to go do something. I didn't get a degree so I could collect dust on my shelf. I got one so that I could go do something with what I learned. This wall, although it sits in one place, has a functionality to it. It's not only something that protects these people, but it's something they can look at and say, my goodness. Man, I serve a God who helped us build that. Are you kidding me? When you get on the back end of these these trials... You look back, you're going to laugh. You're going to be like, man, there's no way I got through that without Jesus. And it gives you confidence for the next one because you're qualified to walk in it. And you're qualified to take one step, put it in front of the other, and no matter what comes up against you, don't drop kick that thing in the face. That's what you get with a younger pastor. I like to do things up here. My joints don't hurt as much. Okay. Let's get the uh, worship team back up here and prepare for our offering. The only thing that qualifies you for the future, ladies and gentlemen, is being submitted to the Father. 
being submitted to the Father. <laughs> He'll bring you through something. I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse with this one, but it, I just feel like it's so appropriate. You finally get there. You finally get out. You finally arrive at what you think is a destination. And he's like, I got more for you. But you're more equipped now than you've ever been because of what I brought you through. You're more equipped now than you've ever been. Seriously. So I'm trying to say, hey, let's let's stand up, let's walk, let's be warriors. Right? I have to get a a drummer boy introduction or okay. <laughs> I love it. Let's come up here, let's pray for this real quick. You guys can go ahead and start praying. Maybe the Lord has communicated to you something this morning in terms of this submission, which is a tough word, but at the same time, it's such a healthy word. And maybe there's something in your life that you have not submitted to Him in, and you need to get right with Him on that. You just need to say, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. This is something that in the course of this message you have brought to my attention, and I just need to apologize. That's all it is. It's just saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I haven't been submitted to you in this area. I would like to change that. So why don't why don't we all stand to our feet as we close? If that is you, first of all, let me say this. You can't be submitted to the Lord if you don't have a relationship with Him. <laughs> That's hard. But what I love that the Lord did in this being qualified to be the master of our salvation, the king of our salvation, that dying on the cross close the gap that sin created we transfer our trust from ourselves to him if someone in this room has never made that commitment i want to ask you in this moment to make the leap to transfer your trust from yourself to jesus and it's real simple let's do this heavenly father if there's anybody in this room that you're moving on who you're saying just let me take it just let me have a relationship with you let me be your lord and personal savior let me walk this life with you you don't have to do it on your own anymore let me be a part of it let me walk in front of you behind you on either side if someone if you're saying that to somebody this morning lord and they want to give their life to you i pray that they would just throw their hand up in the air that's it spirit we don't want to miss this point you no longer want it to be hard you want discernment if you want that relationship just throw your hand up we'll pray for you and it'll be a new day jesus name so if there's anybody in here the lord's brought some stuff up with this submission i'm gonna open up the altar if you want prayer Amen. If you want to stay in your seat, amen. But nonetheless, don't miss the opportunity to simply confess that, Lord, here's a place I just haven't been submitted to you in, and I need to apologize for that. So let's sing this song. And let's go before the Lord for a little bit. There is power. All we got to do is just speak your name. All we got to do is just be submitted to you. And Lord, it's hard sometimes. Father, it is. But we know even that you don't ask us to do on our own. 
something that was spoken earlier today in our prayer time that the Lord wants to give us the desires of our heart now when we're submitted to him how we interpret that scripture is totally different that he's not going to give us what we want as much as he's going to place the desires that he has approved in our heart He's going to give us the desires that our heart should have, which far exceed anything that we could ever want for ourselves. So, Father, this morning as we come to you and say, Lord, we are submitted and we want the desires of our heart to be the desires of your heart. But we're qualified because of of the authority that's above us, and that's you, Jesus. I pray that you would be with each each person in this room. That if they're dealing with something on a spiritual level, Lord, that they would be willing enough to either come get prayer about it, Lord. But at the same time, I speak against the enemy. I speak against the enemy trying to steal stuff from your children. Lord, we bind and rebuke him and tell him to go back to hell where he came from. Because these people are not yours. These children are not yours. We belong to Jesus. We're not from here. Come on now. Come on now. Lord, we belong to you and we submit to you. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. So, if you need some prayer on something, just.